The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Liverpool gets a victory, two and two for them. For Burnley, two defeats in two matches. Your takeaway? Much better. Second half was as expected. Dominant Liverpool, attacking Liverpool. Burnley had nothing really, just a, a couple of looks towards the end there. But that's what you expect at home in this game. Some real positives. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold looks like he is mm -hmm. right back at his best. Jota getting the goals. Harvey Elliott, good in midfield. It's a good day for Liverpool in the end. Yeah, and they were, they were slick in the second half. I mean, they moved the ball well. They controlled tempo. OK, there was a few little bits and pieces there for Burnley, but nothing really to speak of. I thought Mane, he was quiet in the first half, but he put himself in brilliant areas second half and ended up getting the goal that sealed the game. And, the, and the, the big, another big plus for them that wasn't there last year is centre-back. Yeah. Not just Van Dijk, who mm -hmm. looked very good. Joe Matip as well, yeah. didn't put a foot wrong. Really good partnership. So those, those two. two had a big game as well, yeah, really good. They get the clean sheet. Liverpool gets the win. That's 2-2 two and two for them. Yeah, again, it's been 529 days since you had a full Anfield. Now you're back 2-0. How do you rate your team's performance throughout the match today? So, first and foremost, thank you for each, to each and everybody who came here today because they created an incredible atmosphere. It was for sure the best atmosphere we ever had at 12.30 kickoff. We spoke about these kind of things already in the past when we said, OK, we have Anfield usually great atmosphere, but 12.30, obviously, people need a bit of a push. But today they were just here. They, everybody um, was really, obviously, really excited about the um, opportunity to be back at Anfield. The other thing is we played Burnley, so that's now the opposite of a of a party. Let me say it like this, because it's just hardest work, hardest work. We were ready to do that hard work. We played a lot of times really good football, created top chances, which we could have used, like. Um, but we didn't, that's OK. But we scored twice, scored a third goal, which was a brilliant goal as well, which was disallowed for offside. But the, the football we played in these moments was really exactly like you should, you know, like you have to do it. But then immediately you have to be ready again for the next proper challenge. And we were. And so I'm completely fine with the performance and really happy about the whole event today. So a celebratory atmosphere, but when you play Burnley... You have to grind it out. So you take that away from it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's good to see Klopp so happy and yeah. relaxed. Let's hope that continues, Tim, because it's not always <laughs> the case. It wasn't last season. But he's got to be happy with the way the team are playing. They definitely improved in this game for where the second half, it looked like they're in total control. No, very few chances for burning all the star players, important players. Tim did their job and looked really, really good. So it's good news for Liverpool fans right now. Well, that and the, just a genuine appreciation for having the fans back. 
it was such a it was so hard and so yeah. difficult for everybody to not have fans in the stadium. So that was brilliant. Look, the way the way you're right, he's happy. They've kept two clean sheets. They're scoring loads of goals, disallow goals. They're playing really well at the moment. So early on, these are really good signs for Jurgen Klopp in the pool. Such a great scene to see Jurgen Klopp at the end mm. of the match, just soaking in the scene and applauding the fans. Steve Bruce, Dean Smith, their thoughts. Well, Steve, first of all, how's your luck? Uh, it's not certainly going for us, is it? Um, unfortunately, we lost a, a game last week with a big talking point, and and today we feel aggrieved too. Huh? With you know the same official was involved. You know, last week we were crying out for the referee to go and have a look at our penalty. He doesn't, and then today he goes and has a look and. I thought VNR was supposed to be clear and obvious. Nobody in the ground knew it was handball. If you look at Jamal, I think his foot is up around head height, so to get your foot up there to try and block it, your arm has to rise up naturally. And then the other one, the, 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 the penalty for us, I thought, you know, big toes, you weren't supposed to be... There was no lines drawn at all last week. Why this week? So... I feel a little bit aggrieved by it because we've had two big calls and um, and there for me is the whole reason why VR are supposed to be here and yet we're still talking about it. The goal just before half-time because Newcastle had been a real threat up until that point. Yeah, they had. Um, you know, we felt there'd be a threat on the, on the, certainly with the pace that they have. They put some balls in behind us and we had to deal with that really well. Um, we got away with one when Wilson went through early on. I thought there was two fouls in it, I'll be honest, before that. Um, but then, yeah, a great finish from Danny Ings and, you know, uh, a set-piece routine that we, we have actually worked on in pre-season. So, super finishing what, what we brought Danny Ings in for. Let's hear from Pep Guardiola and Jesus. Seemed to be so much versatility out there in terms of when the players came on, the changes in position. Was that something that really pleased you? No, everyone knows it looks like what, what moves quick is the ball, the players stay in the position. So we don't, I don't like the players move too much. Uh, I prefer the, the ball goes where the players are. This is the, the positional game and we insist every day on that. And everyone today, the fullbacks, the central defenders, everyone was in his position. Gabriel Jesus didn't score a goal but got the man of the match award. What did you think no. of his performance? If one person deserves respect and prize and everything is him because uh, he's never complained. Uh, it's one of the reasons why when you wake up in the morning and go to work is to see this type of players, this type of human beings. His mom and dad has to be so proud to have a, a person like him and can play a striker, can play left, can play right and always what the, the team needs, always can come play 10 minutes from the bench, play the best 10 minutes he can play. So it's fantastic. So all of us, all of us who have to learn from of him and, uh, and I'm more than, than, than satisfied that he was nominated as a man of the match. Man of the match performance from you, but you were busy setting them up today rather than scoring them. <laughs> no, I think uh, the team plays so well. You know, uh, like I said before, uh, we try to get back, back our power, our brilliance, because, you know, we, most of the players come back after the normal because the holidays of course we need some rest uh, after the tough uh, season the last season so yeah we play so good today the team and well we will we'll always run in behind and try to to score to pass uh, that's our power let's hear from rafa benitez and liam cooper 
Rafa twice in front today, but you go home with a point. Is is that a two points dropped? No, not really. I think that the, we could win. Obviously, we have a, another chance to score the third goal and uh, could change everything. But uh, my feeling is that we were under pressure against a, a good team and then we reacted really well. So the team was uh, fighting for every single ball. And uh, little by little, we have more control in the counter-attacks, in the transitions, and we have more chances. So I think I am really pleased with the way that the, we reacted, we approached the game, and then the um, commitment of the players. So it's what you are expecting at the beginning of uh, time. So I said before, Marcelo Vies has been three years working with this team. We have been six weeks. So yeah. then uh, I am expecting that we will improve, but I was really pleased with the way that uh, we were doing things today. Liam, we'll talk about the game in a moment, but having fans back in Elland Road after so long in the Premier League, what was it like? Oh, unbelievable. Um, they've been starved of it. Um, it's been a long time coming. We've missed them unbelievably. Um, walking out today, the atmosphere, the, the energy, the positivity, we feed off that, you know, they're our, they're our 12th man every single, every single home game and, uh, yeah, just so buzzing to have them back. 2-2 two, two about fair, do you think? Uh, I think we was the better team, to be honest. I think if there's another five, ten minutes in that game where, where the team was in the ascendancy and, and, and maybe go nick a goal, um, we showed great character coming from behind twice today and um, yeah buzzing it's a, it's a performance we can take a lot of positives from and um, we'll learn on the other side of it as well so no, buzzing with all the attitude the lads showed and um, yeah we can build on that Let's hear from Shane Duffy Cisco Munoz Your first goal in a Brighton shirt for not far off two years now how special did it feel to celebrate yeah. in front of them all? Oh, it was amazing actually uh... It's just a special place for me, this place, and um, the score here, it was a uh, first home game back after a difficult year. It was uh, it was amazing for me. I think it'll more sink in tonight, and, and I'm just uh, I'm delighted with the lads, which we got the three points. Why do you feel your team started this game slowly today? No, 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 it's a uh, noise slowly. It's sometimes, uh, something happens in the football, you know, it's important to uh, understand what happened. We need... Uh, Everyone, we need to have more, 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 more narrow team sometimes, and we need to stay ladies. But uh, you know, the, the the last week was we start very, very, very hard, and uh, we need to continue with the same attitude because it's important always try to give the maximum in the first minute until the last minute. Because in Premier League, you you have uh, one mistake after you have a big problem. But of course, as we bring you into the boot room, we are looking ahead to 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Big match between Chelsea and Arsenal. Our focus right now on Arsenal because so much pressure on this club based on how they finished last year and then how they start this season losing to Brentford 2-0. All right. I know that you don't believe the sky is falling quite yet, Robbie Musto, so I'm going to start with Tim Howard. How bad do you think this situation is? Well, I think it could get worse quickly. Um, you know, they, typical Arsenal at Brentford played really good football, enjoyable to watch if you're a neutral, uh, but they don't have that instinct in the end to finish you off. And then Chelsea today, Man City next week, th- this can get – I mean, now, listen, they did the double over Chelsea last year, so it wouldn't surprise us if they, if they got something out of today. But it doesn't feel – like there's enough in this Arsenal team at the moment. We continually talk about the same things. And so when we talk about lack of leadership, lack of discipline with the red cards, you know, who's going to step up? They can't figure out the captain situation. Um, 
I just wonder inside that camp if everything is okay. We're going to have more on this match in just a second. I do want to show you, we showed you Oleg on our social hour walking in St. Mary's. That's Harry Kane walking in at Malinu. He has made the trip. It's Wolves Tottenham. We'll see if he is in the squad. Mm. And when we have team news, we will bring it to you. But definitely worth pointing out that he has at least made the trip. Actually, just quickly, mm. a reaction to Harry Kane? Expected. He, it was expected to Does to it make affect the, the players on the team? Uh, I, I don't think in... I think they're used. I think they're familiar with the idea that he's not going to be there. We saw it last weekend at a brilliant performance. If he comes and he adds to the squad, absolutely right. I'd be shocked if he starts. Maybe on the bench. The team played so well last weekend, but I think it's good. He should be there. He's fit and ready to go. He should be in the squad. I, I think that, I think Tottenham are playing this very well. If I were them and that type of money was on the line in a transfer, I, he wouldn't be anywhere near the field. So I think the bench is probably a good place for him to, to stay until the transfer goes through. I don't think he'll be at Tottenham uh, by come the end of the month. But, uh, yeah, obviously they have to. It's, it's delicate. He's such a legend at that club. They have to hmm. try. Both sides have to figure out a way to do this classy. But you'd have him bubble wrapped on Absolutely. a comfy couch somewhere <laughs> away from any potential yes. injury. Yes. All right, we'll have an answer to whether or not he's in the squad in about 20 minutes' time. We'll pass it on to you. But let's bring it back to Arsenal. Mm. All right, Tim pointed out a lot of fundamental problems. Certainly mm. leadership is one of them, and it's a big one. Manager maybe above and perhaps on the field as well. Based on the first match and what we saw at the end of last season, your feelings about Arsenal right at this moment? Well, I think it's... There's been a lot of bashing of Arsenal, and I get it. Last week was, was not acceptable, but there's reasons for that. Mm. There's, a, there's, a, there's a COVID issue with the football club. They're two of their most experienced and best players weren't able to play. You had young kids playing in that game, a game that it's like a, a, a World Cup final for Brentford. Listen, it wasn't acceptable, but you know, you've, got to, you've got to step back and take a look at this. From Boxing Day of last season to the end of the season, their form was good, kind of figuring out a way. If it would have been third, that, that kind of situation. And they did win the last five games. So they finished the season pretty well. I get what they're trying to do. This is a different Arsenal now. The reality is they're not competing for Lukaku's and for Grealish's. You know, for whatever reason, with ownership, et cetera, et cetera. They're not that club anymore. And I think as long as Arsenal fans, and it's easy for me to say, of course, get their head around, they're going to try and build a new team, a new future with young players, They've spent a lot of money, but all the players, five players, all 23 years of age and under, they're trying to build for the future. And I get that. I've got concerns that maybe we'll get on to with yeah. the manager, but just for now, I see what they're trying to do, and they will get better when everybody's fit and the experienced players come back and some of these young guys will fit into the team and hopefully develop and improve. You know, it's not the end of the world, in my opinion, for Arsenal right I, now. I want to get to the manager, uh, but first, you mentioned the spending and perhaps not competing for the Lukaku's of the world or the Harry Kane's, but they're still right. spending. Mm. And when you see this total here and this list right here, first off, does the number surprise you and where it stacks up? It surprises me in the sense that I, I wonder who they, you know, who are they buying for, for, for this money? I mean, Odegaard and Ramsdale and Ben White, I like those players. I don't think it moves the needle for Arsenal Football Club, Robbie. I think they finished eighth last season. Yeah, I know they're missing some players due to COVID issues, but they had those players last year. And I'm just not sure that Arsenal do anything more than try and compete for one of those, those top six European spots. So what, you, what, what, what do you want them to do with the money? Well, well, get, you, the players sure. you're, you're wanting, mm-hmm. two? Like, you well, might get two players with that kind of money? Well, at our, at, for me, in my time, Arsenal Football Club 
is a giant football club. It's brilliant. It has so much success. So when we start talking about buying players under under 23 and building for – the Premier League doesn't allow you to time. It doesn't allow you to, okay, here's three years, and in three years we'll – that doesn't happen in the Premier League. It, it, it turns over so quickly. And I tell you what, losing to Brentford was a big deal. These next two games, if they don't win them, if they don't beat City and they don't beat Chelsea today, there's going to be so much pressure around a football club. And I don't think anyone's going to be talking about everybody stay calm, we're building for three years down the line. I don't think the Premier League allows for that. And a lot of that pressure is obviously going to be on Mikel Arteta. And there were times last season you could feel and sense the pressure that he was under. Do you think Mikel Arteta is the right man for this job? I'll get back to that. You think you could feel it last year with the fans in the stadium? Now you're going to feel it. And that's, that's the thing with Arsenal. And that's when the pressure will totally go on him. I'm not ready to, get, to give up no. on Mikel Arteta. I don't believe that's the right thing to do right now. I agree with Tim. The pressure's going to be intense. They've got difficult games. This has been a very difficult job. We said that from day one when he took over. He had issues to deal with, with Meza Ozil and transitioning and getting rid of some of the players that weren't doing, doing the business. There's still work to do on that. But I just think if you're going to, if you're going to fire him three or four day games into this season with what the job's been like and what he can protect... You know, what if somebody else comes in? What are they going to do then? Like, it's the same group and the only And knowing thing, that two of your first three games are Chelsea and Man City right. as well. And, and I just want to... Just, I don't want to make sure we... Like, my legitimate concern with him is this. And all that being said about Mikel Arteta, I worry about his man management. Mm-hmm. It's his first manager's job. Coaching-wise, we know he's smart. I worry about his relationship with the players, how he deals with them... Is he arrogant? Is there a good atmosphere? Does he put his arm around shoulders? That is what's hardest for us in here in the yeah. studio to try and gauge because we're not the training on every day. And you need leadership on the field as well. You do. And, and to Robbie's point, is he the man for the job? Yes. Get rid of him? No. But <laughs> you rightfully mentioned when that place is full and the Emirates and they're, and they're not winning games, there is going, whether we like it or not, there's going to be massive pressure on him. And, yes, he has to get that right. The divide between the senior player leadership and the manager has got to be rock solid. Right now, it's not. All right, there's always a level of pressure. Got cranked up after week one. We'll see what happens today, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. It's Chelsea Arsenal. That was boot room. We build up to this match. 34 Premier League goals since the start of the 2018-2019 season. But remember, of course, fractured his skull and suffered a brain injury in November of 2020. At Arsenal played the full 90 last week. Incredible accomplishment to make it back to the pitch just nine months after suffering that life-threatening injury. Here's more from the Wolves striker. Amazing to see you back on the pitch on Saturday. Can we just start by asking how you how you feel in general after what you've been through the last eight months? Yeah, well, um, I felt really good. Um, I feel now that I'm a player again uh, after a long, almost nine months uh, being out for this injury. Do you actually have any recollections of the incident? Do you remember it? Not at all. I have... I remember we arrived to the stadium. I left my things in the dressing room. I went out to see the pitch with my teammates, with my friends. And then we returned to the dressing room. I remember I get into the dressing room, but I, then it's like lights off. Uh, I can't remember nothing else about that. I can't remember when I uh, uh, first woke up in the hospital. I have some things from the hospital, but it's nothing really clear. 
Yeah, of course. I asked I asked for the officials to send me videos of different um, sides of the of the pitch. I I like it to to see what happened because for me it's like it never happens because I don't remember. Do you remember the first time seeing it? Your reaction to it? Well, it was like normal, you know, like I have never been like um, getting scared about those, those things. Sometimes you see videos of a broken ankle or a tibia or something like that. And you, I like you feel it, no, like it, it does, don't, doesn't even you, but you feel it. You feel something in your body. And I felt the same maybe with with mine uh that i because it was shocking uh in the impact and then boom in the in the floor i just i i don't know i just hit the floor and but it was it didn't scare me it was i i i asked for more videos from different songs to see different aspects what uh who was marking, uh, if I didn't make two steps in front uh, before the corner, I got to the ball, uh, attacked the ball. That the last minute I went two steps in front and the ball was in back and I had to jump backwards. So they are different, different um, things that are all together make what happened. And I, I just wondered whether you ever were told how much danger you were in, you know, how close you were to, to death, really. They were really, really supportive with me. Uh, the surgeons, the doctor, they were in all moments with me. The skull fracture, it had, it take a little bit long that we all expected to, to heal. But... Um, it, it was, and it is uh, really a miracle to me to be here with you. Did they actually you? You were lucky to be alive. Yeah, they told me that it was uh, uh, like a miracle to be to be there, to be, that it was just, okay, the skull fracture, the bone has, like, broke, and... There was a little bit of bleeding inside my, how do you say, the, ah, the brain, uh, that it was um, pushing my brain to the inside. But that's why the surgery has to be quick. Uh, and it was a really good job from the, from the doctors, and I'm, I'm back here. 100% fit in all aspects. Well, I think... I'm almost there. Um, the last weekend, the first game in the in the Premier League, I played 90 minutes since almost nine months ago. So I think physically, mentally, I'm I'm there. I'm ready to go. I'm I I just showed in the last game that I'm ready, and I want to keep doing what I'm what I'm doing. Spurs edge Wolves 1-0. We'll hear from Nuno, but first, here's Deli Alley. Deli, it looks a really hard-fought win today. What was that like to play in? Yeah, it was tough. Um, 
you know, when you come to a place like this, the fans are great, their team play really good football and we knew it was going to be difficult. Um, from the start to the finish, we had to fight and we had to earn the three points and I think we did that. Uh, they have great players, they're a threat, so we know they're going to have chances, but it's how we react to that, and I think we did it very well. Uh, created a few chances ourselves, so we're happy with the three points. Yeah, there were big chances at both ends. Did it have that end-to-end -end feel about it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of them games, you know, we're, we're away from home, we have to put in a solid performance defensively and hit them on the counter, and of course, they have great players as well, so they're going to create chances, uh, and it's, like I said, it's how you deal with them moments, and few great saves by Hugo, a few great last, uh, last ditch tackles and again at the other end we probably could have had a couple ourselves so um, we're happy to leave with the three points but we've got to keep moving forward. It was your run and the incident for the penalty which you converted, do you feel you showed a bit of game awareness there getting the penalty in that situation? No, I think uh, you know my game has been a little bit different so far this season, a little bit deeper, um, but it's allowed me to get in the box later and you know, that's what I like to do so it was uh, Great ball by Reggie. He was still talking about it in the, at half-time. But, um, yeah, happy to, to get the goal and help the team. So Yeah, once the keeper committed, you feel that it was always a penalty decision? It's one of them, you know. It's, um, you try and get there before the keeper, and he committed and he came through. And, you know, obviously it's going to be a penalty when he, when he comes down like that. But, again, I had to, uh, we had to finish the chance, and we did that. So uh, we're happy. And we're, like I said, it's not a perfect performance, but a lot of positives to take. Well done today. Nuno, what qualities did your team show today to get that victory? Relentless. Compact, solid, um, unit, everybody helping each other because it was, was tough from minute one till the last minute. It was very tough. Wolves did a, a good game, but we defend very well. We defend very well uh, in terms of attitude. Uh, very proud. And this is what, what it's all about. When you're not able to do a lot of things, you throw yourself in line of the ball and, and do, do what you have to do to, to take what we came here for. Yeah, that was the important thing. You got yeah. the win. What were you not able to do? Do you feel that you would perhaps have liked a bit more? Yeah, we start well the game. We start well the game. The, we had a couple of movements, situations really dangerous in the beginning and the last of the game. So that in the middle was all about. And I think we should have more the ball. In second half, much better with the width of the wingers. We had, we had much, much, much more, and we had clear chances to kill the game, to kill the game. But Wolves also credit for them. They, they, they are a strong team. All right, Tottenham gets a victory. You learn more about Nuno's current team or his former team today? Former team. Wolves will feel grieved. I mean, they played really good against Leicester last week, really good today, and they just didn't get the goal. I mean, Traore, we talked about it before the game. He was sensational and, and unfortunately just didn't go in. Other side of things, Tottenham. Right. You get the win. You now have two wins, both 1-0. Yeah. And Harry Kane still looming. He's still looming. He came on and added. He should have scored himself. Um, I like Nuno's comments there about him being solid and in good shape. I think that's what you're going to see. If he can get this team spirit great and working hard for each other, Delhi is the epitome of that in this game, then that's a good sign because they've always got plenty of counter-attacking threat with those quick forwards. Similar results, two different directions. Two 1-0 mm -hmm. losses for Wolves, two 1-0 victories for Tottenham. Lukaku... Back in the Premier League and having an impact, Chelsea gets the win. Arsenal, another defeat. Tim Howard, let's start here. Biggest takeaway from this match for you? Oh, one would, well, I, I have two. Sorry, Liam. I, I think Lukaku was fantastic. I think he demands the ball every time. He's a traditional number nine. He, he leads that line. He causes fear in the back line. And then he loves his teammates. You see the hugs and the praise that they give him and he gives them. So Lukaku, brilliant. But... Arsenal, uh, they, they, tactically, we're expecting Mikel Arteta certainly to get it right from the beginning because he knows how Chelsea's going to play. It's no secret. And then at halftime, no problem. Change something up. We didn't see that. And so 
Yeah, Arsenal is a worry for me. This is a new concern with Arsenal. They had concerns before and their pressures, but just the idea of maybe being unprepared in this situation? Yeah, I, I think in terms of, of tactically, I think we all assume that he's a very bright coach, a thinker. He's off the back of Pep and Man City and his experiences. He comes across as that sort of guy. But if you, if you didn't know who he was, and we, every, everybody in the football world looked at that Arsenal first-half performance where they got kind of really stretched out and, and the right side was totally open for Chelsea, you'd be like, wow, what, who is this guy? Mm. Like, it's, it's almost like naive coaching, mm. I, I want to say. And, and on the back of that, the thought that they could be open and expansive and, and throwing people forward and allow them to stay forward in an open game of football against a team as good as Chelsea, again, really? So yeah. I, I agree. It's kind of like that was a really surprising edge to this game. Let me ask this. Does pride play a factor? Sometimes if you, if you, have the, if you think you have the best team, you go toe-to-toe and you say... To heck with well, your he tactics. He must know he hasn't got the best. I team. agree with yeah. you. I agree with you. So my, that's my point. I'm, I'm saying, does pride then come in? Did he yeah. say, I think... Home game, like yeah. first game, like, you know, we're, we're Arsenal. Not changing. We're going to go forward. Yeah. yeah, maybe. But essentially, at that point, you're questioning his judgment in terms of knowing how good his team is. Yeah. Right? Because it, it, if you think they're that good. Yeah, I mean, to play open against that Chelsea team is yeah. incredibly Changes. risky. And, and that's where the game was lost in the first half. Yep, there was risk. It mm. backfired for them. Chelsea got the win. And we go back to the Emirates, bringing the gent to call the match for us. Arlo, Graham and Lee. Gentlemen, get your final thoughts on this one. Thanks, Liam. I'll go to you first, Lee. Um, Arsenal defeated again, second time in two weeks. Assess Mikel Arteta's performance as coach today. Well... It's quite easy to blame the players all the time and I think the manager has to take some responsibility with today's um, defeat. We saw a different match-up in systems and when that happens, as Graham pointed out in commentary, you get pluses and minuses in both systems. Chelsea's pluses were bigger than Arsenal's That's that, and they didn't work the problem out. It was so obvious down that right-hand side for Chelsea with Rhys James and, and Mason Mount that they were overloading that left side of the Arsenal defence. So sort it out. The goal came from there. Two or three chances came from there. And in the end, I kept looking down, looking down. What's he going to do? How are he going to change it? Sometimes you change it on the pitch as players. You take control of that. Arsenal don't have that type of leaders on the pitch to be able to do that. So you have to look over at the sideline and say, what are we going to do? OK, we'll change it at half-time. They didn't. They came back out. They played a bit better, as Robbie said. But ultimately, tactically, they lost. They forget about the man-to-man and how good Chelsea were. Mm. They lost that game tactically today, and that is the manager's fault. How impressed on the flip side were you with Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea? Yeah, very good. I mean, you know what you're going to get from Chelsea. Since the day he took charge of the club, he stamped an identity on that group of players, and there's competition for places. Every player looks totally comfortable and at ease in their position. They help each other out, they link, they've got a good balance. They're in perfect shape at the moment. They took Arsenal apart in the first half. And as I said, they played well within themselves in the second half, mm. but always looked looked a threat. And Lukaku, as Tim and Robbie were saying, you know, he's, he's the absolute perfect fit for them up front. He's going to do really well this season. Could he be the difference in terms of winning the title? He's certainly given every opportunity to be up there. I think they'll be right up there with Man City, with Arsenal, uh, with sorry, with Man United. Um, and Liverpool, I think it's a four-horse race. There's no doubt about that. And at the moment, they look very strong. Long way to go. As far mm. as Arsenal are concerned, you go... The way they're going at the moment, you know, eighth is kind of... We'll take that. OK. <laughs> One thing that Manchester United can take away from this is that they've now tied Arsenal for the longest all-time Premier League away unbeaten streaks. They are now at 27, tying Arsenal, that squad from... April 2003 to September 2004. Here's Paul Pogba. 
Tell us about you. Three Premier League assists last season, already five this season. What happened to you over the summer to turn you into this assist machine? No, I just want to, to give my best and stay focused, help the team as much as I can. With the team that we have, um, obviously, they always, like I said, they give me confidence. I'm really happy to be on the pitch, to play, to play for this club also. Um, I, will, I will always give my heart on the pitch. That's, uh, that the, the club knows it, the manager, the players knows it, and uh, I enjoy being, being with them on the pitch. And it's another unbeaten away game. I know there's the disappointment at dropping two points, but it's 27 games now in the Premier League, unbeaten away, and that's equal the Premier League record. I mean, how, how stunning is it not, be, not losing 27 games in a row away from home? Nice, nice. For sure, it's nice. But what we want, we want to win the Premier League. I would prefer to win the Premier League and uh, don't have the record. But it's, it's still good to not lose away. Now we, uh, it will be better to win also away and uh, not a draw today. But it's OK. We keep uh, the positive minded and uh, we go again. Good stuff. Paul, thanks ever so Thank much. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, chaps, Danny Higginbotham, mm. Tim Howard, myself, Robbie Musto here, just to react to that performance. Now, Tim, just from West Ham last year, and how did, well they did, two yeah. points off of the of Champions League qualification, I thought it might be a little bit difficult to get it going again and to, to get the atmosphere going mm. in that stadium. I know it's not always been easy. Mm. How impressive for West Ham? Well, very, because, you know, as I said, they, they held on to Declan Rice, which I thought was important. They've hit the ground running again. I mean, Mikel Antonio looks Fantastic, yeah. looks brilliant. You know, Bowen last year was a bit of a revelation. He did really well on that on that right hand side. And for me, I thought Fernandes was pretty good. But today, this season, he's showing. I mean, the balls that he was he was flashing in there, his presence to always get on in the box. I, I thought I think he's off to a really good start. And you see them taking all the plaudits there from their fans. Well deserved. How can they get better? What 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 should their ambitions be? I think straight away the. The extra, the extra pressure to a certain extent is going to be on them because of what they did last season. And what I found really interesting, the final whistle, David Moyes goes around to see all his players, but straight away saying to him, walk around the stadium. Yeah, try, walk try get around the stadium and thank the fans. Mm. And these are the games which will take care of themselves as in terms of the atmosphere and everything. The games where there could be more questions are your Watford's at home, your Crystal Palace's at home, where the fans won't be happy with them sitting back. They're one of the best counter-attacking mm -hmm. teams in the Premier League, and that was a game set up for them today, and fair play to them. I thought they were absolutely magnificent and, from start and, to finish. And, and the thing about it is David Moyes gets a knock for being a bit of a defensive coach, right? But they play football. They just mm -hmm. don't overplay. Dan, yeah. you said it. They're a brilliant counter-attacking team. But they don't overplay. They get into the striker, back, back off, and then to the other side. And, and you just think, no one takes too many touches on the ball. They're scoring goals, seven goals in, in two games. I mean, really, really good for them. And, and quite frankly, I don't necessarily know if they have to get miles better, Musty. Mm -hmm. I, I think those fans would take that again. Qualifying yeah, for yeah, Europe, doing that again. Yeah. Like, so, to, so we don't, we don't want to get carried away and saying, oh, they have to get in the Champions League. No, no, no. 
be a feat for them to be in Europe two years in a row. Just give us a little insight to David Moyes, because we know he's a, he's a, he kind of always seems unhappy and he's always pushing his players. Mm. What's he like when things are going well? Well, we'll see. We'll see. His post-game uh, press conference will be the same thing. What? He'll say... Miserable? He'll, yeah, we he'll, can do he'll, that. He, he will. He'll come, out. he'll come out and say, you know what? We won't get carried away. We'll keep going. I don't like the fact that we conceded a goal. He'll, he, knows, he knows how to control those teams. One, one of the things I'd say about David Moyes as well, he is in a little unique sequence of, of management, which is he goes into a club and he plays what suits the players. You have a number of managers go into a football club and they say, right, I'm going to play what I want to play, and the players have got to adapt to it. David Moyes has gone into West Ham and said, right, what suits my players? And it's exactly how they're playing at the moment. Well, it was a special night, wasn't it, for Mikel Antonio? There's a list of the all-time leading Premier League scorers for this football club. Some great names underneath this guy, Mikel Antonio. Great night for him. Hello, Decanio there, of course, a famous player, tremendous player at this football club, but he is there now with 49 goals, Mikel Antonio. Moments ago, he joined our colleagues from Sky Sports and Monday Night Football. He is the top goal scorer in West Ham's Premier League history. And he's waiting to speak to us. Congratulations, Mikhail. How does that feel? Oh, it's amazing. Oh, I'm so relieved. Um, in the first half, I think I was overdoing it, trying to get the goal. But then in the second half, just playing, playing the way I normally play, I managed to get the goals. Didn't get just one. I got two and an assist. So I start concentrating. I kind of let it affect me in the first half. But in the second half, I've come out and done the job. Oh, so you were thinking about the record from the very first minute, were you, tonight? You were just trying to get this out of the way. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, as a footballer, you've got to be professional and try and stick to it. But obviously, I'm trying to make history is one of the, so, like, um, it's always going to be the back of your mind. And I feel in the first half, it kind of affected me. But second half, I'll come out and do the job. The goals were special. We'll come on to that. The celebration was, was arguably even more special. <laughs> but we want to know, Mikhail, how much this was planned. The, the planted cardboard cutout that we spotted. Have a look on your monitor. <laughs> That's before the match, the organisation that went into this. <laughs> and then it was sealed with a kiss. Lovely. So whose idea was that? So basically, obviously, I was like, I've got to do a record. Obviously, I'm not been, I've not been celebrating of late because of VAR. But I was like, you know, I'm making history. I was like, I've got to make it do it special, isn't it? I started off doing celebrations, so I've got to finish it with celebrations. Um, did any of you get what celebration it was, by the way? That's what I asked. Go on then, come, come on. on. Fill us in. You're, you're, no, I want you to guess what do you think it is. <laughs> you haven't had the kiss for a while? <laughs> save the last dance. You know what I mean? The, little, the lift from the end, save the last dance. Oh, we haven't watched that one recently. <laughs> Can you imagine, Mikhail, had that been disallowed through VAR, having gone through all that? I know, right? I would have, that would have been proper embarrassing. But you know what? It's also one of those things where it's amazing. I love, I love and enjoy it all the day. You always see me smiling, so I probably would have seen the funny side of it as well. <laughs> Mikel, how, how nice was it tonight at the end of the game, not just for you, but for the rest of the lads, you know, to celebrate a big victory with the supporters? You had such a great season last season, but you couldn't sort of celebrate and enjoy that with them. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, the fans are still here, still singing. It's, the game's over. I've been over for the last like, 20 minutes, and they're still here singing. So, like, see that like, the fans enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. It was amazing, the atmosphere. There's nothing better than scoring a goal and you hear the roar from the fans. There's nothing better than that. Mikel, you finished sixth last season. You started absolutely brilliantly this season. Do you think you can push towards those Champions League spaces and do better than you did last year? Yeah. 
All we can do is keep tying up to each game. I know it's a cliche football answer, but you've got to keep tying up, getting three points as you go. Because um, right now we've got the squad um, and we've got the performance. We're so doing the performance, we've got the consistency. So all we can do is keep coming out, keep turning out and getting the points. Right now, sitting top of the table, like... I've never been top of the table since I've been in the last seven years, so I'm just going to enjoy that right now. I think it's a fair question, though, Mikhail, because a lot of people will have, will have looked at the fact that West Ham haven't signed a lot of players this summer and, and made the assumption that you can't do that again. So what are the players themselves saying? The players, we just got belief in ourselves. Um, one thing we know, the fact, is that we, we, we work hard and we've got the quality to break, to break teams down, so... One thing the Gaffer did when he first came in, he said well, our running just wasn't enough. Like we're 17th place in our running stats, and now we're up there in the top, the top of the table, and he's shown it because now we're top of the table. It's not just West Ham who are top of the table. Mikel Antonio is top of the table, goal scoring. Can you stay there? Obviously, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to put a big distance between us so no one can catch me. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Mikael, last time we saw you on Friday Night Football, you gave us a little dance. Can we have one tonight or not? <laughs> I'll, no, I'll do. Can someone get my cardboard cut out for me? Yeah. I'll, I'll bring that one with me. Anybody? No, no, no one's getting it. No one's getting it. No one wants, no one wants to see it. Well, someone might bring it, but in the meantime, just, just give us an idea of, of what that number nine means to you as well, having swapped the shirt numbers. And, and was that important to you? Uh, it was a difficult decision for me, to be fair. Um, the number 30, I've been there for the last six years in my seventh season at West Ham, and I've always been number 30, so I was always thinking to be it, but um, over the last two years, um, playing number nine, I feel taking that and owning it, owning being the striker at West Ham and taking that number nine was key for me, so that's the only reason why I did it, but I did have that little like love for the 30 shirt, so it was difficult for me to let go, I'm not going to lie. So what is the target? Double figures the last two seasons on a, on a personal note. What do you think you really can achieve? I've got to, I've got to beat what I did last year. I feel last year, I feel, last year I was disappointed with my 10 goals. I was looking for 15 last year. Um, now I've got three goals in two games. You never know. Couldn't even get 20. Well, <laughs> well a final thought. A final thought. You are the top Premier League scorer for West Ham, Mikhail. And another 275 goals will take you past... Vic Watson as the all-time West Ham scorer. Do it. Let's do it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> hey, I'll never write you off. Great to talk to you, Mikel. Enjoy your night. You've absolutely deserved it. Welcome in to a special edition of Premier League Update. I'm Robbie Musto with Tim Howard and Danny Higginbotham. As you can see, there's no host here. We're just going to have a little bit of round table here with some of the bigger clubs, the bigger stories and get a little bit of detail of what's going on. Uh, Chelsea is going mm. to be our first conversation. And let's just take a look at, you know, their first fi uh, six fixtures. We all know what they've done so far. The clean sheets are there. The goals are there. The big test, Danny Higginbottom, is going to be Saturday. Liverpool away at Anfield. It's like mm. you said earlier, we were just chatting earlier about kind of a litmus test of both clubs, yep. Liverpool, uh, which we'll talk about, and Chelsea Football Club. But as I guess the expectations were coming into the season, signing Romelu Lukaku mm. and what he was going to bring to the football club, so far, he's brought exactly what we expected. Again, it's early yet, but yeah. Chelsea, they look kind of strong everywhere. Yeah, they're my favourites um, at the moment. I think the business they've done bringing in Lukaku has been outstanding. I go back to Tuchel, his first game in charge, playing against Wolves at home. They drew 0-0. He changed the system. 
He changed the system for that game after they've been playing a back four. And now, sign of a good team is when you're watching them for five minutes and you know exactly what totally. their identity yeah, is. Totally. I think him as a man-manager, in his early days at Chelsea, the first people that he would go and put his arm around were the substitutes at the end of a game. And I think he's just got everybody singing off the, off the same page. And, you know, he, it's, it's been an unbelievable job that he's done so far. You know, also, you know, I was looking at the numbers, by the way, and we know that it was $135 million for mm -hmm. Lukaku, Tim, but I think in Chelsea Football Club, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think mm -hmm. they've got to be the best business yeah. of football yeah, yeah. out there. They have, by the way, sold a lot of players. Yeah. Tomori's gone. Of course, Tommy Abraham's gone. They've made the money to pay for mm -hmm. Lukaku mm -hmm. in this window. This, the net spend's about zero, by the way. I mean, how well is this club run? Well, you took the words out of my mouth. I was just thinking the advantage that Chelsea has is they, they see a target, they go get them. They do it early on. They don't worry about all the haggling. It's, it's a nice luxury to have. The mm -hmm. owner can pay the money. But th their feathers are never really ruffled about guys coming in late or are they going to get their target? If there's a target that they want, they get it. And Lukaku's yeah. just been, he adds another dimension yeah. to them. You know, they spent a lot of money last year. Timo Werner scored a lot of goals, missed a lot of goals. That's why I'm so optimistic about mm. the, the goal tally for Ronald Lukaku, because he's not going to miss. You know, these, these, he'll, get, he'll get the 25 goals. Can he push on and get the golden boot? He just adds another dimension. And by the way, Chelsea is good as advertised and then some. We talked about it yesterday, Tim, in the studio after that game, and I was, I was shocked at how different Chelsea's attacking play mm. was with Lukaku yeah. and what it was before. Before, it was kind of small, intricate football patterns and trying to find a way to create something. Now, it's like, where is he? Well, there he is. Let's roll him the ball into feet. Or let's, let's get a ball so we can spin into the channel. He can do a little bit of everything, Danny, and, and change the way that they play going forward. I want to ask you a question as a midfielder. Right. OK. You're playing against Lukaku, right? You're giving the, you're giving the shield in front of him. Mm. But you know that they can go long. You know they can go to his feet. As a central midfielder playing against him, it must be difficult for you to then carry on with your game about how you're going to go about it because you know that Chelsea have the adaptability to go through you or go beyond you. Does that not make it more difficult for an opposition player? Absolutely right, because if he's coming to feet all the time, I'm ready for him. Mm -hmm. and I'm, and I can, but, but when he's making runs in, in the channel and different movements, I'm not really, it's, not really my, it's not really my responsibility. So the mixing it up is yeah, it's pretty and, tough. And then to add on to that, midfielder, a goalkeeper, if you're playing against someone like Lukaku and you know that he can come short, you know that he can stretch him behind, yeah. could that even affect your starting position? Well, it should. Obviously, you have to, one, communicate to your, to, to your, to your defenders because you just don't know whether, whether he's going to check. If he checks to the yeah. ball and gets a head start on you, you're in big trouble. So you've got to constantly communicate. And, of course, as a goalkeeper, you need to be on, on ready, off your line a little bit because you know. But he's so talented that he, when he pins a defender, you then can't be too high. You mm. know that as a goalkeeper. Mm. So he, again, he adds a different dimension to this Chelsea team, as you said, that they didn't have. They play intricate football, but if they need to go up to him, he will hold it. Just quickly, yeah. If they don't win the Premier League title this season, mm -hmm. what would have been the reason? Again, quickly on that. Manchester City signing Harry Kane. Mm. <laughs> that would be it because at the moment, I, I think there's only one winner in the Premier And there's no League. weakness in that team, the no. potential weakness? Nope. They've got, and, and what they do, they look at opposition and they respect them greatly. So, for example, a quick one mm. Aspilicueta played right wing back against Crystal Palace. Reese James plays yeah. there because they know yeah. that that's Every decision he makes works out. Yeah. He yeah. scores one and creates Might one. touch. It's brilliant. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, Liverpool's kind of start to the season. Let's take a look at that, chaps. And, of course, very good sign. Look better. Five goals scored. None against right now. We've talked about the big game, of course, at the weekend. They've got Leeds after that. Crystal Palace, Brentford, the, I guess, a winner ball. A lot of talk about Liverpool, Danny. Well, actually, not as much talk as we might you expect yeah. about what they might do this season. It's all been about United's improvement and Chelsea and City, etc. 
Are Liverpool not flying under the radar, but should we talking more about them being absolutely one of the, the guys that could totally win this, this title? I think so. I think going into the season, I think everybody was waiting to see how Van Dijk came back, myself included, because mm. he's had an awful injury. You know, I've been in that position myself with that injury, and it's, it, it's tough to come back from. He's come back and he looks great. So that is a huge plus at the start. Two clean sheets in two. But what's been really exciting for me has been Firmino, he's been mm. on the bench, scored. Mane scored. Salah scored. Jota mm. scored. Two fullbacks getting forward, getting crosses into the box, as we're seeing here, coming from Trent Alexander-Arnold. So Liverpool have gone back to what they were. They were missing key ingredients last season. And I mean Van Dijk with this, because he affected them attacking-wise as well, because with him in the team, you can play a high line. That means you can press higher up the pitch. means you can look to destabilise the opposition defensively in their own half. And that's what Liverpool do when they're at the best. I'm going to ask you, Tim, a Rebecca Lowe tough question. Are Liverpool better with Diogo Jota up front or Firmino? Um, Jota, yeah. He's come alive. He's played under the bright lights of Anfield and he hasn't seemed seemed affected by it because Bobby Firmino does a great job. He, He plays exactly how Klopp wants him to play. And Jota's just come in and, and almost made, nearly made the number nine shirt his own. You know, I think, I thought this last season, Liverpool had a down year, had loads of injuries. Mm. So really they didn't fail. Normally when you're a defending champion and you fall that far behind, it would be a failure. But they kind of really let failure. them off the hook yeah. because they've had a lot of injuries. And, that's, and, and so the way that Klopp wants to play, it's that high press, high intensity, and they had been doing that for so many seasons, it's bound to kind of tail off. So I actually think it's good that they rested a lot of players last year due to injury, of Mm -hmm. course, and now they're kind of back up and and hungry again. Mm -hmm. The reason I think they'll go close is because of the manager. I think the manager has a style of play, a belief in those players, and he's created a culture at this football club, which is already steeped in tradition. And, And this team, for me, is ready to at least go close. I, I don't know if they've, they've strengthened the midfield enough to win the title, yeah. but, you know, you see even Trent Alexander-Arnold. He looks really good, looks but, really but because good. Van Dyke's covered yes. Van Dyke's been covered. Look, he's not brilliant defensively. That's not disrespecting him. He's not. He's, a, mm. he's almost a winger at times, and he's always been covered because Van Dyke said, go be expensive, go press. If it pops out of there, no problem. I'll run across and sweep up the danger. Didn't have that last year. So let's get into the midfield. Yeah. So we know that when Alden left the football club, yep. Harvey Elliott, I thought, looked mm, pretty, pretty good in yeah. that area. Yeah. Thiago maybe come back. Henderson and Fabinho will come back mm-hmm. into that area. Are they a little different without that? I always thought with Liverpool, like the three midfield players were so hardworking mm-hmm. and they enabled everything. It's a little different now. You haven't got Wijnaldum. Milner's kind of a little bit older. I'm not sure you're going to get the same energy out of Henderson. Are they going to change the way that they play with Harvey Elliott and Thiago in that midfield I, area? I think. Do they need to? I, I don't think they necessarily need to, but what they have with the three midfielders, you know, that they have available to them, and there are, there are a few different midfielders, they have the ability to play with two sitters or with one sitter. Now, we've seen in the opening two games, it's been, it's been two sitters. We saw in the game against, um, against Burnley, it was Elliot that was going further forward. If you're going to play with two sitters, then you need your fullbacks going forward at the same time, which they do. We saw at certain situations last season, one of the fullbacks took in when they decided to play with one sitting midfielder and two going. So they've got the ability to adapt to game circumstances as well, which is great for them. Yeah, I think it's been absolutely fascinating uh, how they do this season. OK, next team we're going to look at is Tottenham Hotspur. Of course, a new manager, Nuno Espirito Santo. 
Again, another team, one of the bigger clubs, with a really strong start. We saw a tremendous atmosphere, I thought, in their stadium in that first game against Man City with a great a victory. Winnable games next, you'd have to say, in, in Watford and Crystal Palace. Then it gets a little tougher with Chelsea and Arsenal. Now, it's fascinating. Of course, the story of Spurs is dominated mm -hmm. by Harry Kane. Mm -hmm. I still don't... I, I, it could go either way in terms of whether he stays or whether he goes. Yeah. Has it surprised you how Nuno already seems to have a good spirit amongst the group? He seems to have connected with the fans already. Like, it looks like this could be a, a really good appointment. Well, let me say, I, I was convinced wholeheartedly that Harry Kane was going. I'm slowly starting to come back off of that. Um, Daniel Levy seems to be digging his heels in. Mm. Yeah, Nuno has done a great job in terms of endearing himself to the fans. Look, I think it's no secret. He was like third choice. He was certainly at down, least, at yeah, least yeah, down the yeah, list. Yeah. And so... He was already under pressure to try and win people over, right? That stuff gets out in, in the press and, and fans latch on to it. Let me say, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying the hype yet. I'm mm -hmm. not buying the hype of this Tottenham team. I think that Man City dominated them. And they got they got away with it. Really dominated. Yeah, I did. I think Wolves. Really? Spurs were in control with that with a real tight, narrow shape, and they create. I, I that think much? They, I think they can because of that, and because they're a bit pedestrian in their, in their tactics in terms of defensively, they give up chances. They gave up a lot of chances at Wolves. Wolves were very, very good. Mm. And so I don't know if that gets you any higher than seventh yeah. place that they finished last season. So, look, if Harry Kane stays, the one good thing is that Harry Kane is a spur through and through. So if this gets to the end of the transfer window and he's there, I don't think he's going to pout. Instead, I think he's going to get in there and yeah. try and win a golden boot. And that's that's – Really good for Tottenham. Just on the other side of it, if he doesn't stay, yeah, it's a part of me that like kind of likes the new look, like mm -hmm. the faster look, the very much that we've talked about it, the counter-attacking look. Yeah. Harry Kane is very different. Of course, he's a tremendous player, but he comes deep, he gets on the ball, it kind of the football's a little slower. Mm. I kind of like in the Spurs, and it's early yet, and I, I get Tim's kind of yeah. uh, worries about it, but those front players, and with Hyomin Son as a central player... It's kind of exciting when they go forward, isn't it? My, it, it is. My concerns are, are similar to Tim's. So I look at Nuno, obviously we've seen Harry Kane coming on and, and missing opportunity. I look at Nuno when he was at Wolves and the success that he had. Got them promoted from the championship, came in and took the Premier League by storm. In my opinion, during his time at Wolves, his teams were one of the best at controlling the game out of possession. When the tide started to turn was when teams started to play against Wolves and say, you're having the ball. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the ball, and we're going to let you dictate. Manchester City, less possession. Wolves away, less position, less possession. Watford next game, that for me is going to be a huge test mm. because Nuno is a manager that likes to control without the ball and likes to always. play on the counter. It, it, it always do that? It, it, I remember times when Wolves have played some good football but, at but times. It, but if you look at Jimenez, unbelievable goal scorer for Wolves, mm. but he was missed because he was the focal point. Yes, he scored goals, but he was missed because he was the focal point, the play that you could go over the top to. Mm. He's taken out of the team. All right, yes, you miss his goals, but you also miss his, phys his physicality, his strength when teams are saying, right, you know what? We're going we're gonna to allow you to counter-attack. Mm. I don't think many teams are going to allow Tottenham to counter-attack, so that's going to be the big test for me to see no, no, and how I'm, he gets must it be, yeah, yeah, let me say, you'll, I'm going to say this again here in a moment for, for one of the other teams we're covering. It's how do you get better from last year. And I look at Tottenham and I just don't think that they're going to be vastly better than they were last year. I think, yeah, they, if they have a really good season, they'll finish sixth or seventh. I think they can do better than that. Okay. I think they can do better than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just do. I mean, I, 
Well, yeah, I mean, they've had a real strong start, and, and I get the Harry Kane situation, mm -hmm. and I know that the, this new director of football, Paratici, is waiting. Come on, give me the money. And mm -hmm. Adama Chore, Danny, yeah. is a player that I'm yeah, sure yeah. they want to get, and a, a, another tremendous uh, player on a counter-attack. We know how hard it's going to be to push those top four clubs, mm -hmm. but they've got to be looking for... They've got to be looking a little higher than, than seventh and eighth, haven't they? We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. OK, next team we're going to take a look at, Manchester United. Uh, wow. Here's their fixtures. Six games, of course... A tremendous start where they were mightily impressive against Leeds United in a different sort of game than it was against Southampton. Again, winnable games coming up and now with Wolves, Newcastle United, West Ham and, and Aston Villa. But I, I always see when we go with Robbie Earl and we get onto our two Robbies podcast, mm -hmm. we're all, well, last season for sure, we were like, OK, there's good United yeah. and there's mm -hmm. bad United. To be fair to Man United last, last season, it was a lot more good mm -hmm. and they seemed to be more consistent. I feel like... They can win the title this year, but I still don't know whether the manager, and I said this with Tim in, 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 uh, in the weekend shows, mm -hmm. whether he can drag them, push them. Is he that guy to motivate this team, Danny, every single week to not have, have days off and, and performances where they don't perform, which I guess you could argue that at Southampton. Mm -hmm. Is he the guy to drive them over the line? I've had, I've had conversations over the last year or two with Oligon Associa, and the one thing that always keeps coming up is consistency. And I wasn't surprised to see them draw with Southampton. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable against Leeds. But the biggest problem is, I think, is that one of the things that needs to change, in my opinion, you look at the playing 4-2-3-1 at the moment, they have two defensive midfielders and good defensively, but they slow the game down. If you look at the top teams, they are relentless. The ball comes out straight away. It's, it's Jorginho or it's a, it's a player like that, someone at Liverpool, always recycling the ball. Same with Manchester City, recycling the ball. And I just feel that the draw with Southampton... I'm not saying it's going to be, it could end up being a blessing in disguise because if they'd won the first three, four games, then it's a case of how do I change the team? How do I get Sancho into the team? How do I get Varane into the team? Mm -hmm. They next play Wolves away. For me, I look at it and go, Varane, one of the best centre-backs in the world. Harry Maguire is up there in that bracket yeah. as well. Do you need to play with two defensive midfielders? Is it, is it more than that, though, Tim? Isn't it more than just having a better midfield player? Is there something yeah. from the spirit of this team and the, and the well, personality of this sure. team that's not... I don't think, uh, look, I, I don't believe in this midfield trio, call it Matic, Fred, McTominay. I don't think that's a mm, Premier League no. winning midfield, okay? Up front, yeah. Sancho, yeah, yeah. Rashford, Greenwood. They don't have an out and out number nine as such, but they'll, there'll be some goals there. I mean, you know, Fernandez has been brilliant. Pogba, he's playing the best I've seen. Yeah. We've, uh, we've all seen, probably in a United shirt. So they've kind of found that rhythm. Defensively, yeah, rock solid. Varane and, and, and Maguire, the really good goalkeeper, David De Gea, the two fullbacks, fantastic. In Mason, that midfield, sorry, go ahead, you, yeah. said, you said this weekend, they can't keep go, come, coming from behind. They always go mm. behind these games, yeah. right? They had this really yeah. awesome record of, of points gained yeah. when going from behind. Champions don't go behind every single and week. And that's, that's what I'm saying, Danny. It's not just about the midfield no, no, players. It, and they happened again, you know, this weekend. With home fans in the stadium, when teams go one up, it's going to be harder to pull them back because oh. they're going to be fired up from the home fans. It, it is, but what I'm saying is when I, when I talk about defensive midfielders, I'm talking about when you're playing against a team that's going to have 11 players back behind the ball and you need a central midfielder who's going to spray the ball to the left, to the right, yeah. going to drag people out. Yeah. Matic, Fred, McTominay, they're not going to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. A Pogba dictate, dictating from deep, and then a Fernandes at number 10 yeah. makes things a little bit different. And I think with the defensive stability that they now have with Varane coming in, yeah. they have the ability to do that. They have to be relentless, which is what your top teams are. I just want to go to the top end of the pitch again, Tim. Mm -hmm. Mason Green, we just saw him scoring a goal there. 
Isn't he the uncertainty yeah. about he might get five goals, he might yeah. get 20 goals? Like, United I, fans, I believe, should be excited about what he might absolutely. do this season. R- really excited, but it's the unknown quantity. It's, hey, here's 30-plus games. Can you get us to that 20-goal mark? Yeah. It's a, it's a big ask because he's still... You think he's still can? Still I think he can. I, I think, think he can, can. yeah. I yeah. mean, he might surprise everybody. We don't know. score 20. He, he can do. The, the, the thing you've got to look at is they, they shared the goals last season. Yeah. Only Manchester City scored more than them. So they've got goals within their yeah. team. They've just got to make sure that they can keep themselves in a position when the pressure's mm. on they can't be counted on because they're dominating. Mm. Absolutely. Okay, the last team we're going to look at uh, in our little segment here Mm. is Everton Football Club. And, of course, you know this club very well, Tim Howard. We have a a different manager in Rafael Benitez. Again, we'll take a look at the first six fixtures for them, uh, a win and a draw. Encouraging signs, I thought, guys, when I've watched the games. Um, We know the manager's going to divide opinion a little Mm. bit, Tim. Why don't I start with that with you? I mean... Is it okay to hire a former Liverpool manager? Enough of the fans going to be behind him, Tim, for it to have a chance of succeeding? Well, I think you know. I I think when when you listen to some of the supporters, and it is split, I will absolutely say that. Certainly, you know what what I've heard, and you know that just doesn't give you a lot of leeway as a manager, right? You have to you have to be able to win a few, lose a few, figure out, especially a new manager, figure out how the team is going to you know, mold itself into, into your shadow and the things you want. And we talk about time all the time we, with Mikel Arteta. Is he going to have enough time at, at Arsenal? But and in here, you just wonder if the supporters would get restless. Um, I, again, what do, you think? I, what do you think about what you know about the supporters there and his style of play? Yeah, no, I think there's a few things that go against <laughs> it. We know what the glaring one is. But, you know, the style of play, it, it's not expansive. It's not incredibly entertaining and so you think about the signings that they that they made weren't eye-popping no. signings you know Dominic Calvert-Lewin I, I'd like to see him get the 15 goals can he push on to get 20 goals again this season but there's no squad depth there's no squad depth whatsoever I think a good starting 11 but you look at where they finished last year in 10th place are they stronger? Are they a stronger team this season? I'm not sure, and I don't know if they have the depth. And we know as you get deeper into the Premier League season, you have to use your whole squad. Tim, well, I, I, I just want to ask yep. Tim one question. What will it take for Rafa Benitez to win them over? What, what is it in your opinion? You've, you've obviously, you know, you, Everton, mm. the career that you had there and everything. What will it take for him to win the fans over? <sighs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult question because I, I'm just not sure... I'm not sure he could. He'd have to. He'd have to win something big. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd have to win something big. Certainly a cup. Get get them back into Europe. And I think the fans would be happy. But it's a big ask. It's a huge. You know, the best player at the football club, Jaimez, Rodriguez. Yeah. What, what what what's going on with him? Does he did he only come for Angelotti and a bit of football and, and a payday? Because now Angelotti's gone. So. How does Benitez handle him? We, he's a bit of a luxury player, we'd all yeah. agree, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's not how Benitez plays. No, he doesn't want to carry anybody no. in his team. And I no. think that's the situation that's going to go, he's going to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, whether he goes before the window, I don't know. Just go back to the football and what I've seen of him. Of course, a new manager, I'm always mm. interested in how they play. It looks to me, it's real simple football. It is. It's get the ball <laughs> yeah. wide. You go back to those overlapping fullbacks. Yep. You've got Richarlison, you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin that will attack crosses. Uh, Decore here, a fantastic midfield player. It looks like he's simplified things, made everybody's job you know, this is what you're, you're in the team to do, and it's been effective. Can that simple football elevate Everton to, it, to push for a European spot? When, when I look at the 4-4-2 system, which is the way that he's playing, he's got the old traditional wingers, 4-4-2 
can work, but what you have to have is a selfless centre-forward that's prepared to drop in and make that fifth man in midfield, because yeah. otherwise you're going to get dominated in the midfield right. areas. So what you've got now is... They've got players that could do that. They yeah, they, they, Richarlison, I'm sure he's able to do that. Calvert-Lewin will, will drop in there as well, and it's been no surprise to see they've scored from a number of crosses this season so far. Decore, I love him. When he was at Watford, he was changed from a defence midfielder to a number 10. He's an all-round midfielder. But the big question is, like what you've said, James Rodriguez, he, he, he's, he's going to come back and he doesn't fit into the system that Rafa Benitez I'll plays. I'll tell you who fits in and it's really impressed me and I think is a sneaky good signing is Damari Gray, mm -hmm. 25 years of age. He scored a wonderful goal this weekend, mm -hmm. you know, like two and a half million dollars. Yeah. You know, it's signings like that. And, and, of course, we know that Rafa Benitez likes to, to bring players in yep. and he'll get money at that football yep. club in a period of time. I just think it's interesting. And I'm a little bit more optimistic, maybe, than Very what, he, what he might do. Mm. All right, that was fun. Uh, that was a little bit different. And that was your Premier League update. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.